Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So when Hannah got her high school diploma, she's been asked probably a hundred times, what now? What's next? What are your plans for your future? And so she tells people what she's going to be doing. And I think that's a great question for every, for every Christian. What plans do you have for your spiritual life? What now? What's next for you? The very first disciples, you could call them the very first confirmation class, if you will, asked the same question. They started out with 12 people, but they got whittled down to 11 after Judas dropped out. They were Jesus' disciples for three years. They watched him heal the lame, multiply bread, walk on water, do countless miracles. They followed him. They absorbed his teachings. They gave their life to his cause. They loved him. And then Jesus said to them, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And they were grief-stricken. And so they said, what now? What's next for us? And after Jesus descended into heaven, he told him to wait for what was next. And then the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost came, so did God's answer for them. A sound like a mighty wind filled the room where they were staying. The spirit of Jesus blew through that place and according to the text, set everyone's head on fire. Fire is just the Bible's way of saying that God's presence and God's power and God's might God's spirit came upon them and all of them were filled with that Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages as the spirit gave them ability. And everyone who was present could understand them and it undid the confusion of the Old Testament story of the Tower of Babel where everyone was confused and no one could understand. Pentecost undid that confusion. If the miracle of Easter is an empty tomb, then the miracle of Pentecost is the disciples speaking in languages that they had never learned, speaking in tongues. For a variety of reasons, we humans often have difficulty communicating effectively. I could say one thing to you, and you hear it in one way, and I could say the same thing to David 
and he hears it and takes it a totally different way. Depending on the mood you're in, depending on my body language, depending on the kind of day you're having, and you talk to each other and say, wait a minute, that's not what she said. That's not how I heard it. We human beings are such complex people that communicating effectively is difficult for us. So what better miracle could there be then? What better sign of the Holy Spirit than to speak and actually be understood? To speak God's truth and to have it be received as such. To speak God's words and to have them find a home in the human heart. What a gift. Fire told them that the power to do such things comes from God. Fire came upon Peter, Peter who once denied Jesus. And to Thomas, who once doubted Jesus, it came upon the women who discovered his empty tomb. It came upon the young, like John, and the old, like Mary. The flames over the disciples' heads represented a new beginning. The beginning of the Christian faith. A movement that swept across the known world like wildfire. And so here's a question. How could this handful of uneducated laborers set off such a blaze? The truth is, they didn't. The truth is, God did. God transformed them by the power of his Holy Spirit into fiery people whose actions matched their strong convictions. Their hearts were set ablaze with God's love, God's power, God's spirit. And all these years later, the warmth of that fire blows over you and I as well. The apostles preached about a time when young men would dream dreams. And so I see you young men sitting up here in the front row taking notes, you young women taking your notes. And I want you to think about what the scriptures say. You young men and women will dream dreams. Ponder that for a minute. It also says old men will see visions. I want you older folks to think about that for a minute. That time is now. That word is just as applicable today as it was when the prophet Joel spoke it thousands of years ago. Yet we often sit quietly in these chairs, feeling like we don't have much to offer to the Lord. The devil will try to tell you that you're not gifted enough. You're not smart enough. You're not young enough. 
or you're not old enough. You're not experienced enough. Or you're not something enough. Whatever it is that you fill in that enough blank with for God to use, that's the devil speaking to you. And it's nonsense. You're baptized believers filled with God's Holy Spirit. And I doubt that when you were baptized, your hair caught fire. But the same Jesus who saved you gave you a command. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. See, what the church needs today is not another program. Just some folks who will let their light shine. We don't need another project or another idea or another plan. What we need is some fire. God would like to see his church ablaze. He would like to see our worship ablaze. So that when you say amen, you mean it. Not just amen. You know, we're here to worship God. We're not here to just put in our time. For too many Christians these days, even here in worship, have become an option. A weekend activity that maybe will fit in. Like playing cards or eating out or going to the movies if we're not too busy with something else. But worship isn't a leisure activity. My brothers and sisters, it's truth and it's life and it's what feeds us and it's what fills us to be able to live and go on and do the rest of our week. It's forgiveness and it's hope. It's the purpose that we're created for. And you let your light shine when you show up, when you participate. When you sing like you mean it, even if you don't know the tune, even if you sing off key, you sing anyway because it's to the glory of God, not to the edification of the person sitting next to you. What's now? Some fire, I hope. Worship happens when we sinful human beings discover that we can't make it on our own. And we tiptoe together into the presence of the Almighty and we confess our sins. It happens when we thank the Lord for the blessings that he's given us, like being forgiven when we fail, and we do fail. And being uplifted when we fall, and we do fall. Worship happens when we seek from the Creator some hope for a world that seems hopeless and some possibility for our broken lives. It has some fire in it. And I'm not talking about worship style here. I'm talking about expectation. About being awake to the risen Jesus and alive in his spirit. Not just here on Sunday, but every day. Lord, what do you have for me today? How do you want me to shine today? Down at Nationwide. 
Cindy? Really? You want me to shine it nationwide? Yep, yep I do. My prayer for us this morning is that we would become fired up with the energy and the passion of the living God. Just like those first disciples. Because trust me, if they had not been fired up, they would not have been able to go to the far reaches of the world that they went to. Because they didn't do it on their own. They were so filled with the Holy Spirit that the bystanders thought that they were drunk. The Spirit turned their hopelessness as they sat in that upper room into joy. And gave them a mission, a purpose, a plan. The Spirit whisked them out into the streets of Jerusalem where they shared their story with anyone and everyone who would listen. What's your story? Do you know what your story of faith is? Do you have a story of faith? Sure you do. Or you wouldn't be sitting here today. To share your story is what evangelism is. It's that simple. It's to put in a good word for Jesus by sharing how Jesus put in a good word for you with his heavenly father. It's to tell it to people who don't yet believe. It's to tell them about the help and the hope that he's given us. It's to invite an unchurched person to come down here and worship with you. This church needs people who shine light, who won't wait for someone else to do it. Fire says, I'll get involved. I'll be a part of the solution. I'll help make that happen. That's our service to God. That's how we shine our light. You see, we do it all the time in other subtle ways. You see a great movie on TV and what do you do? You call somebody and say, did you see that on TV? Or you read a great book. Have you read this book? Or you go to a great restaurant. Have you been there yet? We do it all the time with those kinds of things. But we don't do it about our worship. About what's going on here. It takes fire. We need spirit-filled disciples who will walk out this door and warmly welcome others into this place. You know, it's no accident that our youth are called acolytes, fire bearers. They carry the fire around here on Sundays. Maybe they'll be fire carriers in different ways too and set an example for us. Maybe they'll show us timid, overly cautious, overly careful adults how to speak up and speak out for Jesus as the Spirit gives them ability. Maybe they'll be the fire carriers who will show us how to worship wholeheartedly and to serve willingly and joyfully. And then together, just like the disciples, we can go 
and light up the world. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, holy and mighty God, the power of your Holy Spirit is not something that we fully understand. And it certainly isn't something that we have fully unleashed in this place. But I pray this day that we catch a glimpse of what you are capable of doing in each of us. I pray that you open our hearts, that you open our minds, that you release our wills into your will, that we may be set free by your spirit to know and do what you call us to do to be your disciples in this world to unleash your spirit so that others may be drawn to you so that others may come to know you and love you. In the name of your mighty spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. If you're able, will you stand and sing, build up my life.